Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. And over these last several weeks, we've been looking at um, the questions that come in the Christmas story. We looked at the, the, the question of how we can be sure. We looked at Mary's question last week of, how is this going to all happen? And this week, we're going to look at the question of where. Where do we find him? Where is God? So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is the story of the Magi. And it reads like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Where are you, God? Where are you? This has to be one of the most quintessential questions of the human condition, what it means to be a human being. Where is God. We ask that question in times of uncertainty and grief and sadness. We ask it in times where we need wisdom and assurance. We ask it because the truth is we cannot see God face to face. And sometimes we do not sense his presence around us. The Magi asked the question of where. Now imagine this, this is a group of people who knew something extraordinary had happened. Something of the divine came to the human realm. A king had been born, and they knew he'd come to a specific place, and they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, something I love about the Magi is we know very little about them, but they teach us so much. We know very little, but they teach us so much. They may have been magicians, astrologers, or priests of a different religion. 
most likely from different countries and different races. Some called them learned sages, wise people, or ancient scientists. But in essence, they were scholars that knew they didn't know everything or were at least curious enough to keep learning. There was something within them that needed to acknowledge this new king. They knew that there was a need for a new king. Now, why am I mentioning all this? Because I think that a lot of us do not live in a time in which we feel like we need much, right? So many of us live our lives never asking for help. We may not need help. We, we have resources. We have answers. And if we don't know the answers, we simply ask Google. But there's something within us, better joke on this side, I guess. There's something within us that's reluctant to ask for help, right? Let me just put it this way. Would you make a cross-country trip to worship a newborn baby? Now, grandparents are exempted from this question because, of course, they would. But think about it for a moment. That's exactly what the Magi did. They worshiped an infant king. They didn't even present presents to a king that could do anything for them. Think about that. They came to the feet of a newborn king. How many of us would do that? Others of us, yes, we know we need help and we ask for it. If someone told us that if we packed up our things today and we could go meet a king, we might just do that. But the Magi teach us what it means to really seek. The Magi teach us what it means to need. The Magi were searching. They were looking. They were watching. In this Christmas season, are you? Are you seeking? Are you looking? Are you watching? I had the privilege last weekend to be a part of the Christmas concerts that we do every year. And for three nights, I got to hear this reading and I knew I wanted to read it. And if you were there, you know what what reading I'm about to read. But this is from Michael Card. And this is the story of the Magi. And it reads like this, on a day like any other in our search to find the truth, We turned so many musty pages in our hope to find some clue. Then the words leapt from the parchment, from Jacob shines a star, that a wordless one who is the word will be worth a journey far. We will find him, we will find him, we will follow his star. We will search and we will follow no matter how far. In castles, through kingdoms, we know where to start to find the king whose kingdom is the heart. It's a beautiful reading of what the Magi came to do. The Magi asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Somehow they knew, even though Jesus came to a particular people that he was to be, worshiped by other peoples and other nations. How did they know that? We do not know. But within them was this 
desire to come to the newborn king, knowing that he would be king over all. And why did they not just present some gifts, but why did they bow down in worship? It's interesting. I discovered there's only three times in the gospel of Matthew that people do this to Jesus bow down and worship him, that the word for worship is used for Jesus. It's here with the Magi at his birth. The second time is when the disciples are struggling in a storm and Jesus comes to them walking on the water. When Jesus finally gets in the boat with them, they bow down and worship. They know that he is Lord over creation. And then the third time, is as after Jesus has been risen from the grave and he appears to his disciples, it says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, some worshiped and some doubted. But the Magi tell us from the beginning the trajectory of what is to come with this baby, that the end point is going to be worship. The end point is going to be worship. The Magi have traveled to worship a newborn king. They seem to know something that many will not know until Jesus has grown. We don't know how the Magi knew to come and worship this child who would be king. But we do know this, right? That God loves to make himself known and will make himself known through all kinds of ways and in all kinds of places, in unexpected places, through unexpected people, we see in the scriptures and we see how God longs in our lives to make his love for the world known. I was thinking about this, that 15 years ago, my dad passed away at this time of year in 2008. And it was a few months later that I was invited to go and speak at his service that was being held on the campus of the University of Washington where he taught philosophy for many years. To say I was a little bit intimidated to go and speak at my dad's funeral among a bunch of philosophers is an understatement. But as best as I could, I tried to explain how the son of a philosopher and an atheist came to believe that death does not have the final word. And one of the most remarkable things to me was after the service held at the club, University of Washington Club in the center of campus, two wise men came up to me. No, they weren't dressed like what you think in the Christmas pageant, but two wise men, two philosophy professors from the University of Washington came up to me. And they said somewhat quietly, we too believe in God. And all those years that your dad was a colleague of ours, we talked to him about faith. We talked to him about the existence of God. We don't know what if he ever came to a place of of decision about that. Only God knows. But I was so encouraged as I flew from Seattle back to where we lived in Tennessee to know in the most unlikely place. Did I think that I would meet somebody of faith in the halls of philosophy there? No. But God has his people in every place because he longs, he longs to make himself known, his love and his grace and his mercy 
known. Where is God? Apparently, even in the halls of philosophy at major universities. Now, we've been looking at the questions these last several weeks that we ask God, but have you ever stopped and thought about the questions that God asks us? I found it interesting that the very first recorded words of God to a human being in the Garden of Eden was a question. Where are you? Think about it for a moment. You may remember that Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was forbidden to them, and yet they took it, and then they hid themselves because they knew. They knew they had disobeyed. They were naked. They were ashamed, and they hid themselves. And God's first words to humanity were a question. God came looking for them and said, where are you? Also interesting, when Jesus, after he died upon the cross for the sins of the world, when he died and then was risen from the grave, one of the first things that he said to to Mary who came to the grave is he asked her, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Before he revealed who he was, his identity, he asks the question. It's an invitation to a relationship. Who is it that you're looking for? I raise these questions because questions do something in us. When we ask the question, where are you, God? He might turn around and ask us a question. Who is it you're really looking for? I think it's a good question that when Jesus answers our questions with a question. Let me ask it this way. During Christmas, are we really looking for God? Or are we looking for happiness, good memories, meaningful family time, traditions the way that we've always done them? Now, none of these things are bad, mind you. I'm not saying that. But have we ever stopped and thought that perhaps if we seek God first, all of those other things might be added to us as well? This Christmas, who is it you're really looking for? Let's be honest, in the busyness of this season, it can be so easy to lose sight of God. In our midst of our calendars and to-do lists, filled with so much, we might ask, where is God in all this? And Jesus might turn around and ask us, who is it you're really looking for? And the answer is, you can find God. You can find God in the story of Christmas. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Born in Bethlehem, born in a manger. You see, the beautiful story of the gospel is that when humanity was crying out to find God, God came to find us. God came to find us. Michael Card says this, we have found him, we have found him, we have seen the true light. What was darkness, what was shadow in his presence is delight. This one born so lowly, the heavens declare, will someday reign without a rival there. 
We have found God because God came to find us. We have found him because God took the initiative and came to find us. Late Tim Keller said it like this, that the founders of every major religion said, I'll show you how to find God. And Jesus said, I am God who has come to find you. So if you're really looking for God this Christmas, asking, where are you? May you find the God who came looking for you. We start here in a manger in Bethlehem. We start here with with Jesus as the newborn king. But then we watch. We watch him grow to be a man who amazed the scholars with his teaching. We watch him grow up to proclaim a kingdom. We watch him heal the sick and cast out evil and restore brokenness again and again and again. And then we watch. We watch him be placed upon a cross for the sin of the world. And we watch him walk out of an empty tomb to defeat death and breathe new life into new creation. And may we continue to watch for him for he is coming to make all things new. Where is God? May we watch for he has already come to find you. May we watch and worship. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for the gift that you have come to find us. You have come in a manger in Bethlehem. And the Magi knew. May we know this Christmas that as we ask the question of where you are in all of this, that you have come to find us. You have come to save us. You have come because you love us. So may we watch for you and may we worship. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.